that especially. We're going to, we've been pressured into singing a song together. We haven't, we haven't practiced it or anything. We haven't sung together in quite a while. But um, we'll do our best to give God glory. <clears throat> Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we know you. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. If you have your Bibles this morning, the book of John, chapter number 7, why don't we just stand one more time in honor to the word of the Lord today? John, chapter 7. I'm going to read a couple of verses of Scripture there, starting with verse 37. And then Revelation 22 and 17. John chapter 7 verse 37 says, In the last day, that great day of the feast. That great day of the feast. Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, verse 39, you'll notice, is a parenthetical statement. It's inside parentheses explaining what the Lord Jesus just said. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Revelation 22 and 17. While you're turning there, I just want to tell you if you need the Holy Ghost today, today is your day. I thought I was in an apostolic church. Come on, if somebody needs a blessing from God, I want you to know today is your day. We've gathered together in the house of Almighty God. His Spirit is being poured out right now in this day, in this place. If you need something from God, today is your day. Praise God. Revelation 22 and 17, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst come. And whosoever is good looking enough, has the right amount of money, has everything going for you in your life. No, it just says, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Praise God. Thankful for the word of the Lord that says, whoever is hungry and thirsty, they shall be filled. 
So I want to preach to you today on this simple subject, Is Anyone Thirsty? Is Anyone Thirsty? You can be seated this morning. Has anyone ever really been thirsty and, and there was no water to drink? Let me help you. I mean really thirsty. Thirsty to the point where you felt if I don't get a drink, I am going to die. Young Jordan the other night after service Thursday night told his dad, if I don't get something to eat, I am going to die. That's what he said. I remember a time my daughter and I, Carol, were out hiking. We were on a two-week hike, and we're just starting out. And we had ran out of water due to some water sources being dry and us not knowing the area very well where we thought water was going to be, where it was marked on the map. It was dry. And so we climbed all the way up to the summit of Mount Greylock without any water. Now, my daughter, I embarrassingly have to tell you, was up at the top waiting for me. I thought I was going to die. And I thought for sure, when you get to, there's a road that goes up there. We were coming up the side of the mountain. And I thought for sure, when we get up there, there's, there's a restaurant up there and, and there's a, a memorial. And, 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 um, but I didn't know it didn't open for three more days. This was in May, early in May, and it didn't open till after Memorial Day. And, and so I'm thinking when we get up there, we're going to get some water and we get up there and Kara's just shaking her head when I finally joined her at the top and she said, Daddy, it's, it's closed. There's nobody up here. And I thought, oh my. The next water source, according to the map, was three miles away. And I'm, I'm thinking, we're not going to make it, sweetie. It's all over. We, uh, I don't know what we're going to do up here. But just when we are about to give up hope, we spotted a construction crew working up there and doing some work on the memorial. And we went over to where they were. And I was getting ready to ask them, could you give me a ride back down this mountain to a store so I can get some water and I don't die up here? And they said, well, we got, we could do that, but we got this cooler here of ice cold water. If you want to fill your bottles back up, uh, feel free to do so. It was such a refreshing drink of water. There's nothing like ice cold water when you're thirsty. Our text from Revelation talks about the water of life, which is the Holy Ghost. It tells us that if you are thirsty for more than what you have found in this world, then you should come to the well of the Holy Ghost. There are no restrictions placed on this water, but anyone who wants it can come and drink 
freely from this well. The Scripture said, in fact, whosoever wills, whoever is thirsty, you can get to this well of the Holy Ghost and it's always going to be open and running. It will never run dry. In fact, the Scripture says He is pouring out. It's not just coming in little drips and drops every now and again, but He is pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh. It tells us we can with joy come to the wells of salvation and drink freely from that water there. Can I just tell you today that if you're thirsty... You can get a drink from the wells of living water before you leave here today. It's available to you. It's available to anybody who wants it. The only requirement is that you be thirsty and you get yourself to where the well is. Preaching is anyone thirsty. The seventh chapter the book of John takes place within a span of eight days. It starts with a note that the Feast of Tabernacles was beginning and it comes to its climax on the last day of the feast, aptly described in our text as that great day of the feast. It begins with Jesus going up to the feast alone in secret and disguising His own identity. But it ends with Jesus throwing back the cloak of anonymity and declaring for all to hear who He is and just what He came to do. Now, in order to fully glean the significance of what took place on that last day and that pivotal moment of Jesus' ministry, we need to take a look at the first seven days of the feast. The Feast of Tabernacles was instituted by God in Leviticus 23, and it was the last of the feast that He instituted. There were to be special sacrifices offered both morning and evening every day. The people would leave their homes, their places of abode, and for seven days they would dwell in temporary booths constructed out of various trees. This reminded the Israelites about their exodus from Egypt and how they were but strangers and pilgrims in the earth. It also reminded them that these were just temporary dwelling places, but there was an eternal dwelling place that was yet to come. Can I remind someone today, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. This old world is not my final resting place, but I have a home that He is preparing for me. I've got a mansion somewhere just over the hilltop. I'm not staying here in this world for very much longer, but I'm going up yonder to be with my Lord. One day when the trumpet sounds, all those 
who are filled with His Spirit will rise to meet the Lord in the air. And oh, what a day that will be. Praise God. Praise God. It's been suggested that the instituting of this feast of tabernacles was a foreshadowing or a type of the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Over the years from its institution and the giving of the law, certain things were added to this great feast to help them remember what was important. One of those things that was added became a part of the ceremony was the pouring out of water in the temple. Some Jewish writers tell us that during the observance of the first seven days of this holy holiday, water was carried each day in golden vessels by the priest from the pool of Siloam and then poured out uh, in the presence of the assembled worshipers at the temple. Other Jewish authors tell us that as time passed, this observance evolved to a state where there was a continual procession of priests that for seven days went with empty vessels outside of the city to the brook Kidron and filled their vessels with water and turned around and marched back into the temple where they poured the water out on that altar. This was a continual observance throughout the first seven days of the feast. There was a constant background noise of water being poured out in the temple. Those temporary booths that had been set up around in different places where they were dwelling for this feast, they could continually and constantly hear the sound of water being poured out on the altar of the Lord. There was the constant backdrop of a procession of priests going to and from the brook Kidron. It would be hard to do anything during those seven days without taking notice of this continual ceremony that was taking place. That was the way God intended it. There was a significance to what was taking place. And the observation of this portion of the feast was designed in such a way that you could not ignore it. Everyone had to take notice of the procession of priests going back and forth, back and forth, to and from. Everyone had to acknowledge the constant sound of water being poured out upon the altar. The ceremony served two purposes as I see it. First, it was designed to remind them that God was a blessing God. When they were in a dry and barren wilderness and they desperately longed for cool, refreshing water, it reminded them it was God that met our need. It reminded them that He caused water to flow from a rock. It reminded them 
them that wells at times sprung up in the middle of dry valleys. This constant procession of priests was an undeniable reminder to all that saw them that God is your provider. He's the one who supplies your every need. They didn't ever want to forget that the same God that provided water in barren places is the same God that is providing for me today in my life. Praise God. I've come to tell someone in this place today that He is your provider. Abraham called him Jehovah Jireh, which means God my provider. However, its most literal meaning is the God who sees ahead and provides. When Abraham received the revelation of the name Jehovah Jireh, he understood that before I ever climbed that mountain, God met my need. Before I ever arrived at the altar, God had already provided Himself a lamb. Before I ever left my place of abode today, the sacrifice was already in place. Before I even knew I had a need, God already took steps to provide because that's the kind of God He is. He's a blessing God. He's the God that sees ahead and provides for you. Can I preach to you this morning that He knows exactly where you're at today. He knows exactly what you're facing in your life. He knows every problem, every circumstance, every situation that you face. He knows the steps you take. And He doesn't just know where you are. He knew where you would be before you ever got there. He knew what you needed before you knew about it. I've come to this pulpit today to tell you that He's a God that sees ahead and provides for you. He's a blessing God. He's already made a way. I don't care what your situation is today. I don't care how hard your circumstances seem. God's already seen ahead. And He's providing for you. He's a blessing God. He's your provider. He's your way maker. That's just the kind of God He is. Come on, let's praise Him together for a moment. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank You, Lord. When the situation seems impossible... When the odds defy your faith, I want you to know you can trust Him. He's your provider. That's just who He is. That's just the way He is. He is your blessing God. Israel wasn't always faithful in the wilderness, but there was always water. When they turned back to Him, He was always there.
He was that constant rock from which refreshing water flowed. Can I preach to you and tell you this morning that you need to get your eyes off of your circumstances and place them back upon your God. You need to see Him for who He really is. He's that immovable rock planted in your barren wilderness from which your blessings flow. He is your provider. He is your blessing God. He has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for the pain that you're in. Everything you'll ever need, you'll find in Him. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes from your Heavenly Father. Outside of Him there is no fulfillment. There's no meaning or purpose to your life outside of the will of God. There's no satisfaction for your soul outside of His provision. But in Him there is rest. In Him there is peace. In Him there is fulfillment. He's the one that watches over you and always causes you to triumph. Only in God will your life ever be complete. He's the one who makes you whole. If you put your trust in Him, you can say with David, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I've been young, and now I'm old, and still I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. That's just the kind of God that I serve. He's a provider. When I was sick, He was my healer. When I was weary, He was my refreshing. When I was cast down, He lifted me up again. When I was troubled, He was my answer. When I was depressed, He was the lifter up of my head. When I was in the storm, He was my peace. He is my blessing, God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. The water was such a precious commodity in that day. In the dry and arid climate of the Middle East, your pastor's been over there. Water was one of the foundational building blocks of life. Without water... You couldn't live in that hard, dry, barren land. The processional of priests pouring out their water in the presence of the Lord in the temple was a statement of their absolute trust in God. Nothing was as important to their success as a community as that water. Nothing was as central to life as that water. So when they begin that long processional of priests from the brook Kidron to the temple, they were taking the most fundamental element of life and sacrificing it upon the altar of the Lord. In essence, they were saying, this 
is how much we trust you, God. We are stepping out in faith. If the brook runs dry this year, our lives will be in jeopardy. That water was more precious than anything in their life. But in an extravagant demonstration of worship, they wasted that water on the altar of the Lord. What they were saying was, God, we recognize that the brook is not our provider. The deep pool of water that we draw from is not our provider. Our trust isn't in the river. Our trust isn't in the rains. But our trust is in the maker of heaven and earth. And as we pour out this precious water on the altar, we are declaring for everyone to hear that You, Almighty God, are our provider. If the brook runs dry, You will provide for us. If the heavens are closed and it doesn't rain any longer, we're placing our trust completely in You. Because You are our provider. Somebody in this place needs to recognize that simple truth. God is your provider. Paul said, He's my all in all. He's my everything. Not your employer. Not your doctor. Not the government. Not the economy. Not your bank account. Not your relationships. God is the one who takes care of you. If everything else falls apart, if everything else fades away, He will still be there. He'll still be watching over you. If you put your trust in Him, He will still be your provider. I wonder what would happen if someone in this place were to fully put your trust in the provider today. He's your way maker. Every good gift comes from the Lord. And if all dries up tomorrow, if tomorrow you lost everything, His provision will not abandon you. His right hand will uphold you because He is your blessing God. Is anyone thirsty? So the first purpose of this water pouring out ceremony was to remind them that God was a blessing God. But there was another dimension to the sacrifice of water. The second purpose of this daily ritual was to demonstrate that God was more than enough. They were making the bold statement that God had fulfilled His promise. God had already brought them up out of a barren wilderness and into the land of their promise. And now they had an abundant supply of water. For seven days every year they participated in this reckless waste 
of a precious resource as a way of making a statement that not only had God already met our need, and not only had He provided for us already, but He provided us with more than enough. It was a reminder that not only was He a blessing God, And not only is He enough to meet all your needs, but He is the God of more than enough. He is the God of abundance. He is the God that said to Abraham in blessing, I will bless you. I'm not just going to bless you, but while I'm blessing you, I'm going to go out of my way to bless you even more. In blessing, I will bless you. I'm going to show you that I am more than enough. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You participate Some of you participate in this ceremony every week, if you want to call it that. You bring your tithes and offerings to the Lord. And in blessing, He will bless you. Can I just tell you, this is not part of my notes, but can I just tell you that if you give faithfully to God, you can live in the overflow of the blessings that God pours out upon you. He's the God that promised them in Deuteronomy. And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee. You see the picture there? It's almost like I'm trying to get away from all the blessings that God keeps pouring out upon me. I got enough, God. I got a, 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 all I can handle, but here they are. They're coming. They're overtaking. If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. You see, sometimes we don't listen very well to God. Sometimes He said, I want you to go down this pathway and I'll bless you. And we choose this other pathway over here. And we get over here a little while and we say, God, where in the world are those blessings you promised? He promised them if you will pay attention to His voice. If you will pay attention to His man for this house, if you will pay attention to His Word, He's going to bless you. And He goes on to say, Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. Blessed shalt thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. I want you to realize today that your God 
is a blessing God. He delights in blessing you. He says, I'm not just going to meet your every need, but I'm going to give you the desire of your heart. Can I tell you, God will never withhold anything that is good for you. So if you believe I'm not getting something that I really do want, it must not be good for me. And you must trust His hand and trust His plan. Because every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh continually coming down from above. Thank you, Lord. I'm not just going to provide for you, but I'm going to give it to you. Good measure. Shaken together. Pressed down and running over. When I get done with you, you're not just going to have your needs met. You're going to be living in the overflow. You're going to be living in the abundance of my good favor. I know people who don't just give 10% in their tithe. And maybe another 5% offerings. And another 5% to missions works. I know people who give 80% of their paycheck. And they live better than I do in what's left over. They found that place of more than enough. David's 23rd Psalm could be summed up in four words. I shall not want. It is an awesome testimony to the provision of God, but the capstone is the end of verse 5. David said, You prepare before me in the presence of mine enemies a table. You anoint my head with oil. And if that's not enough, he said, My cup runneth... Over. Same culture. Water was precious in that community. To give someone a cup of water was a tremendous blessing. To fill the cup of water up to the brim was a sign of great favor and an extravagant blessing. But God didn't just stop there. He blessed me by filling my cup up. But when the cup was full, He just kept right on blessing me until my cup was running over. He's more than just a blessing God. He's a God of abundance. He's a more than enough God. You serve a God that wants to meet your need. But He's not willing. He's not anxious to stop there. He wants to do more than enough. More than you could ever imagine. His plans for you are exceeding abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. He's got bigger plans for you than you ever imagined. He wants to shower you with blessing upon blessing. He wants to give you more than you would ever dare ask for. He is your abundant God. Praise God. That constant background sound of water being poured out upon the altar was a continual reminder for seven complete 
days that God was their provider. And that in providing for them, He had given them more than they could ever need. It was an elaborate testimony of the excessive blessings of God. As they heard that sound of water being poured on the altar, all of Israel was reminded over and over again that God had provided for them and that He had blessed them with abundance and He will continue to provide for us. It reminded them that His provision was more than enough. They were saying loud and long, My God is a more than enough God. Preaching this morning is anyone thirsty. This brings us to the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. We've come through seven days so far. But on the eighth day, all that changed. This final day stands in stark contrast to the previous seven. For on the morning of the eighth day, There was no procession of priests drawing and pouring out water. There was an unsettling silence that settled in upon the temple. The constant roar of water stopped and the silence in and of itself was deafening. It was a feast day. John called it in our text that great day of the feast. There would be celebration of the physical blessings that God had provided. There would be plenty of food and drink. There would be a bountiful table prepared from the abundance of God's blessing. But the absence of the procession of priests would be in the back of everyone's mind. The biggest statement of that feast was made On that eighth and final day. When the offering of water ceased. It served as a statement and a reminder to the people of God. That even though their physical needs had been met. There was still a promise of a spiritual fulfillment and refreshing. That had not yet come to pass. Israel wanted for nothing. She was blessed with the abundance of God's overflow. Still yet, there was a spiritual desire that remained unmet. Just as the body thirsted in the wilderness, so the soul thirst for a spiritual refreshing. Even the multitude of material blessings could never quench this thirsting of the soul. It was a sobering reminder that there was a promised rest that had not yet been given. Although Israel had inhabited her physical promised land, there was a spiritual promise that had not yet been obtained. Every man and woman that walked into that great day of the feast was reminded again that there is a spiritual component to their life that was still unsatisfied and unmet. It was the thought that was on every mind 
at the feast. Every heart cried out for the day when the Lord would pour out His Spirit in the same extravagant manner that the priest had been pouring water over the altar for seven consecutive days. Can I tell you that all the good things of this life will never satisfy your soul. There's a certain thirsting of the soul that nothing in this life can satisfy and ever quench. There's a certain desire on the inside that longs for a very specific touch. The bread of this world will never satisfy the hunger of your soul. There's a deep thirsting that will never be quenched by anything in this world. That's why you can be showered with the wealth of this world and still not be satisfied. You can be surrounded with friends and family and still that hidden part of your heart feels so lonely and empty. You can have all the things the world calls success and still not be content. And so on that eighth day, it was that feeling that was on the back of everyone's mind. I'm thirsting for something I can't find at this feast. I'm hungry for something that can't be found in this world. There's something missing from my life that can't be filled with a relationship. There's a part of me that is longing for something that can't be filled with the pleasures of this world. They were surrounded by plenty. They were sitting among the excess. But everyone there was thirsty for something that this life can't satisfy. And everyone there was thirsty for something this world can't provide. David spoke for all of humanity when he said in Psalm 42, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after Thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? This is the longing that was in their soul that day. This is the longing that was echoing through every heart on that eighth day of the feast. And so Jesus comes to Jerusalem to the feast of the tabernacles. For one purpose. And this was it. He was waiting patiently through day number one. Water pouring out. Day number two. Water pouring out. Day number three. The continual procession of priests. Day number four. The priests are still going back and forth to the brook Kidron. Day number five. Water was being poured out. Day number six. Water was being poured out. Day number seven. Water was being poured out. But on the eighth day, Jesus stood by patiently waiting for the eighth 
day to come. He was waiting for this moment when every heart was focused on a spiritual thirst that nothing in this world could satisfy. He was waiting for this moment when everyone sat down to a feast in celebration of the abundant blessings of God while on the inside in their heart of hearts they were struggling with the realization I'm not satisfied my soul is thirsty for you oh God it was against this backdrop of silence that Jesus stood up in the temple. And he said those words of our text. Hey! If any man thirst. What are you talking about, Jesus? We just poured water out for seven days. We've got more than enough water. We've been carrying water back and forth and back and forth. We've got more than enough. But here on the eighth day, in the middle of that silence, Jesus stands up and says, If any man thirst, let him come unto Me and drink. And all over that place, hearts came to attention. They knew what He meant. They understood what He was saying. Can I just clue you in a moment? This is a great congregation to preach to. It's been easy to preach here this morning. But if all you get is a shout and a clap and you go home without drinking from that well that will never run dry. If you leave here today without rivers of living water springing up from your innermost being, you've missed the most important part of what God was trying to do. And so He stands up. If any man thirst, let him come unto Me and drink. They understood what he was saying. And he said, he continues on, He that believes on me, not any old way you want to believe on me, not the way you want to do things, but he that believes on me as the Scriptures hath said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the country. You'll be blessed going out. You'll be blessed coming in. But this blessing that I'm talking about says when I'm walking down the street, there'll be rivers of living water flowing out from my innermost being. And somebody will come by and say, Hey, tell me about what you have. I can sense there's something different about you. We put so much emphasis on blessing and blessings upon blessings. But can I tell you this morning that more than He wants to bless you physically, He wants to bless you spiritually. More than He wants you to prosper 
physically. He wants you to prosper spiritually. God wants to satisfy that longing in your soul. That longing that when you put your head down on your pillow at night and there's this aching inside of you and you know something's not right with the way I'm living my life. When you walk through the day, that gnawing feeling in the back of your mind that says there's something that's not exactly right with the way I'm conducting my life. God wants to fix that problem today in this house. If you need Him, He's a blessing God today. Just think, on that eighth day, when Jesus stood up and He declared, I'm talking about the blessing of the eighth day here. I'm talking about that blessing you get on the eighth day. As much as He wants to bless you physically, He wants to bless you with life. He wants to give you abundant life. More than He wants to shower material blessings upon you. God wants to pour Himself into your soul and it radically changes the way you live your life. Praise God. It's the blessing of the eighth day. Jesus declared on that eighth day, no longer will you thirst in vain. No longer will you seek and not find. I'm preaching to somebody that's been seeking. You've been looking in the wrong place. You've been seeking in the wrong things. You've been knocking on the wrong doors. Folks, you're in the house today. I've got good news for you today. If you'll just turn loose of, can I say pride? Is that okay, Brother Wyatt? If you just turn loose a, a little bit of pride, the pride that makes you puff out your chest and say, I've got it all together. In fact, I look pretty good here today. Uh, yeah, I think everything's going to be all right. If you just turn loose of that mentality that says I can make it on my own until you get to the place where you understand like the old songwriter said I can't even walk without you holding my hand I can't take another breath if I take another breath it's because almighty God said you can have breath I can't live another moment without the touch of almighty God and God wants to bless you abundantly today in your spirit. I'm not so much concerned about your physical problems. God can take care of those. I've seen blinded eyes open, dead come back to life again, the lame walking. I've seen miracles. Uh, perhaps I've uh, told you in this church that my own dad was born without any eyes, but eight days after he was born, the nurse came running out of the room. He's got eyes! He's got eyes. But more than any of that, God wants to bless you spiritually today. Does anyone, would anyone confess today that I'm thirsty 
spiritually. All of us would confess, yeah, bring on the blessings, God. Bring on the material blessings. I, I want some more of those. But would anybody confess? Would anybody be honest today and say, God, would you bless me in my spirit today? Would you help me to live a victorious life? I'm tired of being up and down on a roller coaster in my relationship with you. I want to live in you victoriously. So that no matter what comes my way, I can be victorious in you. You see, it doesn't matter what the circumstances. The same God that was God on the mountain is the God in the valley. And He'll walk with you. He won't leave you in the valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Thou art with me. I need to bring this to a close. Sorry for taking so long today. In that moment, Jesus projected Himself to the day of Pentecost when that promised refreshing would finally come. He was saying to all that would hear that the blessing of the eighth day is on its way. It's not that far off. With the roar of a rushing mighty wind amidst tongues of fire, there's a blessing that's coming like none you've ever known. It's the blessing of the eighth day. And John, when he was writing the pages, writing the words of chapter number 7, he realized all of this in retrospect when he wrote this gospel. And he adds that parenthetical statement of verse 39. But this he spake of the Spirit. When Jesus stood up and said, Hey, if anybody is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. He was talking about the Holy Ghost, which had not yet come, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Sometimes it's so easy to get caught up in life. It's easy to be surrounded by the multitude of God's blessing that we allow ourselves to spend extended, prolonged periods of time outside of the presence of God. Can I tell you, I'm trying to come to a close, but can I tell you that this is just not a Sunday thing? God never intended this building to be the only place where you feel the presence of God. He intends to be with you when you leave here. He intends for you to feel the same thing you feel here today when you get home. Doesn't matter where your home is. You could live under a bridge and feel the presence of Almighty God. He can be with you on the job. He can be with you at school. He can be with you every single day. You've just got to be hungry and thirsty for the Spirit of Almighty God. We are showered by blessings, showered with the abundance of things, but dry and empty on the inside. Even worse you'll find yourself doing just what they did in John 7, going through the motions, pretending to celebrate, having church just like everybody else, while on the inside something was crying out, I'm not satisfied. Something is missing. I need something more. 
I'm thirsty and my soul longs for refreshing. If you're new here today, don't let me scare you away. You've got a great man of God here that will preach the Word of God to your hearts week after week. But if you're new here today and you look around you say, Oh my, what in the world is going on here? I'm not sure I understand. These people are a little crazy. They've been clapping their hands. That guy's been screaming and yelling up there for over an hour now. Something's going, something's wrong about this. But I like what I feel. I, I can't deny that I like what I feel here. Can I encourage you? Just give it another try. Just stick with it for a little while. I've seen people come in rough around the edges. They wouldn't move a muscle in the church. But after they stayed for a little while, they, 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 their, their hands started tapping on the chair. Everybody else raised their hands and all of a sudden their hand starts to shoot up. They, whoa, what's going on there? I swore I'd never get crazy like those people. And then all of a sudden, after you stay for a little while, you're just as crazy as the rest of us. But your heart's been filled because your soul's been satisfied with the touch of Almighty God. This is the only place you can get that touch. Stand with me together all over the sanctuary. We're right in the middle of the eighth day. We're on the eighth day right now. And God is pouring out His Spirit. He's pouring out that eighth day blessing in the house. And He's saying today, Hey, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. Can I just say one more thing? When you come, He won't ask you any questions. Nobody's going to stop you. Brother Wyatt's not going to come up here and some ushers are not going to come up and say, hey, 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 wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait. Before you reach out to God, I got to talk to you a little bit. I got to ask you some questions. Are you good enough? How you been living your life? Are you doing this? Are you doing, no, nobody's going to do that. He just says, hey, whoever wants it, just come. Just come. Just come. Can we do that today? These altars are open. However you do it on a Sunday, let's just turn this place into one big altar call today. Let's just begin to reach out to God all over the sanctuary. Oh, Jesus. Today we're all the same. We're just poor, thirsty souls in need of the presence that only God can satisfy. Anybody want to drink today? Anybody want to take advantage of the eight-day blessing? Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Do whatever you've got to do to touch Him today. I'm asking this church to become a ministering church today. If you know somebody needs a touch of God, move around throughout the sanctuary and begin to pray with somebody today. If your soul has already been satisfied, move around to somebody who needs to touch them today and make sure they make contact with God before they leave here today. Oh!
Jesus. Oh, yes, fill my soul, 
fill my soul. Holy Spirit, take control. Come and fill my heart. Fill my mind. Fill my soul. Holy Spirit, take control. Fill my heart, fill my mind, fill my soul. Holy Spirit, take control. Come and fill my heart, fill my mind, fill my soul. Holy Spirit, take control. I am. Thirsty, hungry, desperate for your presence. I am thirsty, hungry, desperate for your presence. Fill my mind, come and fill my soul. 